that all the things that they were talking about, the uh, stuff going on in the world, everything else, God looks down and his answer for Christmas, and, and actually all the time, is a baby boy. Jesus Christ is the answer to the issues, the problems that, are, that we face inside of this world. Exciting truth, and we're reminded of it, of course, every Christmas, but as followers of Christ, where we're mainly focused tonight, is this a daily event? Actually, sometimes a moment-by-moment event in our lives that we stop and remind ourselves that, that God's answer is Jesus Christ. You know, the, the phrase hallelujah is an exclamation point. It's a moment of celebration that goes, so Jesus is the answer, and it's hallelujah that comes back. I, I stood today and, and had the honor of being involved in a memorial service. Someone else that was afflicted by COVID passed away. And uh, his granddaughter, probably 15, 16, with a beautiful voice, bravely stood in front of all of her relatives there and sang the song Alleluia in tribute to her grandfather and the life that he lived. You know, uh, Alleluia, this, the Jesus that, that comes, this, this child, this, this baby, this, this helpless, helpless uh, infant is the answers to the pending economic pandemics, to the COVID-19 pandemics, headlines uh, that are hitting us. Ridgecrest with 1,600 cases now. Stay-at-home orders in the state. For those of you who are catching us uh, via the web, we're social distancing, wearing masks, uh, protecting us. Out of love for our neighbors, we're doing everything that we can. Uh, going, going into this season and going ahead. You know, but the, the message for tonight is to unto us a child is born, a son is given. And here we go. We're so focused down here on a political situation that takes place inside of our country, the transition that's going to take place in January. But the Bible tells us that the government is on Jesus' shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And our focus for tonight, he's the Prince of Peace. The increase of his government and peace shall know no end. Tonight, we focus on Jesus, the Prince of Peace. We look at his government that brings peace, brings peace into the hearts of men and women who are brave enough to lay their lives down and follow him. You know, the title of the message is Prince of Peace. Uh, it comes from the prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Christ was born. One of those amazing prophecies that spoke into the future that was specifically fulfilled when Christ came to this earth. You know, we know the, the story of Jesus' arrival, uh, really. Jesus was born to a teenage mom, a working class dad, with no fame or fortune, nothing going for him except for one thing. They had one qualification. They both loved and trusted God. They both were willing to risk their reputations, their futures, to obey and to allow God to use them. Out of love and faith for the God, they chose to obey the angel that was sent to invite them into God's plan to change this world. We know the story. Uh, we will lay the foundation of the story today as we talk about the Prince of Peace and his impact on Christianity. On, uh, at Christmas, that we will be focusing primarily tonight for Christians uh, who know Jesus, who know his peace and know his life. Uh, next week, 
We'll be shifting gears on Christmas Eve because we'll have a lot of visitors. We'll be explaining Jesus Christ to them. We'll be encouraging them. We'll, we'll make an invitation, if you will, for them to make a decision for Christ. And then the next Sunday, buckle up. Every year, those of you who are familiar with Crossroads, after the Christmas Eve service, we do prophecy. How'd you like to get your teeth into prophecy for 2021 that's coming right at us? It is exciting, scary, uh, so much. I, I could go on, but I will be time limited. I could go on and just talk about all the specific prophecies that have fallen into place in my lifetime, those that are falling in the last couple of years, and what's going to be taking place next year. There are, there are things that are afoot that really define where we are in the end times and the, pro, and the progression toward Christ coming back. Very exciting, but uh, won't be for the faint of heart. So uh, I have people that specifically come to the prophecy message. I have people specifically that don't come to the prophecy message. Uh, that number seems to be increasing more every year. I don't know if it's me or the prophecies, but uh, that's where we're going over the next couple of weeks. The question now is how can we have peace in a COVID-19 uh, as the pandemics continue? Uh, radical you know, political changes are going to take place. Very different path after the first of the year. The government will probably still be in division and, and, and gridlock because they continue to uh, choose to argue rather than to solve. Uh, the world seems to be coming apart, chaos and uh, looking. And I'm speaking for myself. I see it, and I want good news. Uh, we look at the nation's statistics, demonstrations, riot, random shootings, these things. I need good news. And that's Christmas. That's Christmas that comes at us. We just get to stop and remind ourselves that God sent the answer. He sent a baby boy. He born in a manger. Uh, fear, stress, uncertainty, even depression are, are walking the streets of our country. Uh, they've attacked the peace and even the hope many people have in the future. Uh, UPI survey that I saw today, 50% of the people think the worst is yet to come. We ain't seen nothing yet. 70% uh, fear that they're going to lose a loved one, a close loved one, in the next year. Uh, the hope for 2020 and the good news is what the angels brought. Uh, the angels gave us focus. Every Christmas we get to bring it out. We give this uh, simple verse that uh, you know, describes, the, the, the author Luke describes uh, what happened that first night. Interestingly, uh, Luke, a little extra side note here, was a, a historian of, of incredible abilities, and that's been uh, certified. Uh, atheists went actually to disprove Luke, and they saw all his ac the accuracy of all of his reports and became Christians. Not bad. Uh, but here's what he describes. He, he was in Ephesus where Mary was, and this is Mary's story. It's in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. Now, who wouldn't be? A dark night, a couple of ragtag shepherds out in the fields pulling a night shift, uh, just waiting for the day to come around, and all of a sudden, it brightens up. The glory of the Lord shines around them. And they were filled with great fear. The angel said, fear not. 
It always cracks me up when these big, hunking, powerful, mighty angels show up in a dark room and their first words is, fear not. Thank you. Uh, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news, news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you this day in the city of David. Now, these three words are what we're going to spend our time on again this year and tonight. A Savior, who is Christ, who is the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you that this Savior, this Christ, this Lord, will be a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And the angel, you know, brings, a, brings the choir forward and they start singing glory to God in the highest on earth. Peace among those with whom he is well pleased. This is the very simple message. The Lord, the Christ, the Savior has arrived to the earth. This is radical stuff. God sends his son down to this earth out of love to be able to make a difference in our life. Every Christ follower knows this. This is, this is our mantra. This is what we know. This is what we live. Just, just so we get our terms down, Jesus came as Savior. Now, the name itself, Jesus, means Jehovah Eshula. It's a, the Hebrew name for Joshua. It breaks it into it part. God, Jehovah, is Eshula, is salvation. So Jesus' name is Savior, is salvation. And he's also the Christ. The Christ is, is the promised Jewish Messiah. Hundreds of prophecies specifically talk about the re- arrival of this Messiah, who God was going to send to the people of Israel and send to the world, actually. Fulfilling prophecies, coming with this anointing to fulfill the prophecies and the spiritual needs of this world. So he comes as Messiah. But something he also comes as, and don't overlook, he comes as Lord. Lord is not a random word to be thrown around. Lord is a word that we bow before. Lord means sovereign ruler over all. Nothing escapes his control. Nothing escapes his attention. Nothing uh, that he says is wrong. Everything that he commands and requests, these are commands. He's Lord. So take a look at the three roles. He, He comes as Savior. He comes as the Christ, the Messiah. And he comes as Lord. You know, Jesus' name means all of these things in salvation toward each of us. You know, the prophecies that were put forward were fulfilled in such a way. It's objective, clear proof to who Jesus was. Gives objective proof. Prophecy, most people who know me know that changed my life. I couldn't deny it. I couldn't get away from it. Uh, When the prophecies were read dated and proven to happen back hundreds or thousands of years before. And then the Encyclopedia Britannica, that's for younger guys, that's before internet. Uh, you would open it and read it at that time. But it would, it would show the specific fulfillment hundreds or thousands of years later. I listened to that for, I guess the guy was, he's better than me. He talked like 30 minutes. So uh, got it done. Changed my life hooked me in such a way, and I won't go on with that, but, but this is all part of who Jesus is when he comes. And, and this Lord, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, my, uh, as, as, I, as I do interact with people, the, the, the common thread that I, I try and sow is that everyone, 
whether we die and go to Christ, because we're all going to die, unless he comes back. But the first thing that's going to happen is every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's for Christians who will receive it in joy. That's also for those who have denied Christ as Savior, as Christ, and as Lord. And, and they will walk away from it. You know, one of the things the, the early church, uh, I've read these words, I've never connected the dots. Now, that for those of you who know me, that shouldn't be a surprise. But look at this unto you, and again, this is Luke, Savior, Christ, Lord. This is the apostle uh, Peter standing up confronting the crowd that crucified Jesus. And what does he say, or who does he say Jesus is? Know for certain that this God has made Jesus Lord Christ, this Jesus, this, this Savior. And you crucified him. Uh, Paul writes to the Romans, uh, you're all loved by God and called saints. Grace to you and peace. From who? From God, but the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Those three words, 86 times in the New Testament, those three words are linked in parallel. Lord Jesus Christ. Do you think there's a message? You can't leave any one of them out and have the fullness of Christ. He's Lord. He's, he's, he's Jesus. He's the Savior and he's Christ. And again, this last, this last part about Christ, his death, his resurrection, and now ruling and reigning in heaven. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that again, who? Jesus. It's not like a train. Who? Uh, that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of the Father. This is what we're talking about. Don't miss the importance. Don't miss the importance of Christmas. That babe born in a manger is indeed the Savior of the world, the Messiah, and the Lord of all as he grew up. Early Christians had no problem connecting those. You know, and, and today we talk about his role as peacemaker. He comes to, to make peace to us. Unto us a child is born, and I want to go back, and almost everything we do, this, he will be called Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting, Prince of Peace. We'll be talking about Prince of Peace today. And I don't know about you, but I need peace. There's so many times in my life when things are going on, I need to go back and remind myself that there's no end to the government that Jesus brought. There's no end to his rule and reign, that he is indeed my Savior. He's my Messiah. Gives me all of those fulfilled prophecies and certainty that God fulfills his promises. And he's my Lord. And that gives me hope. Heaven's answer was a baby boy that brings peace. Would you join me in prayer as we get, go forward? Heavenly Father, we thank you for Christmas. Oh, my goodness. In the crazy times that we live, we need peace. Today we celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, his birth here on earth. Open our hearts, our minds, our souls to the truth that Jesus brings, that we might know him, follow him, be, allow him to flow through us, and that we might live in his peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Important as we start this and, and we go forward, uh, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, uh, brings peace to our souls. Now, 
we look inside of a world that's, that's in turmoil, that's, uh, that there's chaos around us. Jesus tells his disciples, he says, you know, I've said these things to you. He's taught them for three years uh, that you can have peace. He says that you can have peace. But he, he's very clear. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. Uh, guys, COVID's not going away. If it does, something will replace it. If things are going to happen, economic pandemic is going to hit. It, the, the, the forces are building up now that's going to bring it about. Stuff's going to happen. Even if that doesn't, the world's going to go on, but we will have tribulation. We have it here on earth because the world rejects God and chooses sin. Jesus says, my peace I give to you. Again, not as the world gives. Uh, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The, the typical way of removing fear and replacing it with peace in this world is to take away anything that might cause concerns. Whether we take it away by financial aid from other sources, uh, uh, a miracle cure uh, coming in, a vaccine, all of these things can, can bring peace in a temporary sense down here, but that's the ways of the world. And, and not, not saying that those are bad, but that's not our ultimate source of peace. The ultimate sort of source of peace is Christ. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. It's a peace on the inside. So even if the diagnosis is terminal, even if we, we lose a loved one, even if uh, relationships tear apart, and, and, and as we seek God, we can have peace on the inside. You see, the world doesn't understand that. The world's emotionally driven by the events that face them. God says, I've got something deeper, something inside of me. It's, it, Jesus says, my peace I give to you, the peace that he walked with. And, and don't miss the point. He had walked with these disciples for three years. He had been rejected. He had been mocked. All these things had taken place inside of the world. And he responded to them in peace. He couldn't have said that to his disciples if he hadn't displayed it. But first, and the most important peace that Jesus offers us is peace with God. You know, we live in a, a, a crazy time. Peace that Jesus brought. Peace that Jesus' death makes possible. The peace that Jesus offers each person that's ever been born is a personal peace with God where we lay our lives down and choose to follow him, choose to making him our Savior, our Lord, our Messiah. If we lose our life for his sake, then we'll receive eternal life in Christ. This is not a negotiated peace, by the way. One of the big things that I tried to do was cut a deal with God before I became a Christian. I'll follow you if, or I'll follow you when. That's not the way it works. It has to be an unconditional surrender of my will, of, my, of the control of my life, to be able to follow him. You know, behold, the arm of the Lord is not shortened, that it cannot save. He can reach us. He, his ear is not so dull that he cannot hear. But our sins, our iniquities, have made a separation between you and your God. Our sins separate us from a holy God and hide his face. One of the Years ago, 30 or oh, 40 years ago, I was involved with a youth group activity and a, a friend of mine who was uh, one of the students there was talking about the importance of him praying. And I, I never realized it before, the importance of it. I said to him, are you a Christian? 
have you given your life to Christ? He said, no. I said, why are you praying? God hears. But if we choose to hang on to our sins, and this is the problem in our country today, the majority of people want to hang on to their life, their sins, their ways, and they want God to answer their prayers and intervene in their life. Well, God says that our sins will separate us from him. It'll hide his face from him. Does he hear? Does he know? Well, absolutely, he's God. But can he respond? No. No. And, and in this time, we're dead in our sins and our trespasses. You know, we, we live in this area uh, and time where we think God loves everyone. He does. People will say, well, God would never send me to hell because he loves me. No, he won't send you to hell. I say this often, please. He will not send us to hell. We will choose to reject his love and choose to go to hell. That will be the choice that, that we make as we go in, in our lives forward. And I love this verse because this is the verse that gives Jesus and the answer. It says, you are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, your distance from God. But God made you alive together with him, having forgiven all of our sins. Wow, how did he do that? See, God is a just God. He says that all sin will be punished. The wages of sin, they haven't changed. It's still death. death. Spiritual death, separation from the living God if we choose to hang on to our sin. So uh, how does God do this? The answer is critically important to me, and, and I hope I can explain it to everyone. How does God take away our sins in Christ? He cancels the record of debt. Our debt is our sins that stood against us. We have a rap sheet. We have a wanted list where, where all the sins we've ever committed or will commit, actually, are written down. Because God knows them. God knows the sins I did as a child, the sins uh, that, that could slip into my life now and in the future. He, he knows them. He knows yours. He knows the sins of every person. For God so loved the world, he sends his son. But he sends his son not generically, not as, a, as an overarching. He sends him personally to die for each person. Not only that, to die for each sin. Can you leave that up for a second? I want one, one of the parts of that, that verse. By canceling the record of debt, all of our sins that stood against us, all the sins that convict us before God, with their legal demands equals death, he set them aside. How? By nailing them to the cross. I love the picture that we've all seen the picture of Christ on the cross with a little square piece of wood stuck on that cross. Those are the, the, the Romans would list the crimes of a person they were crucifying and that they were executing. And so as he would, they would do that, and they would, they would mark them. They would write them down, and they would die for them and pay for them. They were nailed to the cross. When someone was put in prison, their crimes and the things that they did were nailed to the prison door. All their sins and their offenses, ours, mine, yours, personally and individually, were nailed to the cross. And Christ paid for them, each one of them so that they're, they're no longer hostile toward us and stand between us and God. God offers us first this Prince of Peace, 
offers this print peace with God himself. Uh, from the, this is the legal demands of the law have been fulfilled in Christ that we might have peace with God. And, and the response to that has to be love. My, I, I love to tell this story to people who are investigating God. And to be able to tell them, the, the, the real point of transition is when you stand before the cross, or when I stood before the cross, and I saw my sins paid for, the response had to be, in my heart, love. And if you fully understand what I'm saying, it has to be love for you. And love is sacrificial. How could I not love and make Jesus my Savior, my Messiah, and my Lord? How could I not turn over control of my life? You know, and, and he brings us peace with God, but then he takes it into our real life. He offers us peace in our hearts. You know, and one of the most challenging verses in the Bible. Be anxious for nothing. Casually said. Casually stated. Don't worry. Don't sweat it. Ah, back off. Chill. That's what this verse is telling you. But he's not telling you to ignore the issues that are there. The bad diagnosis, the relational strife, the, the worries and concerns that we have. Don't, please, don't blow them off. But don't let them dominate our life. He says, don't be anxious for anything, anything. But prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. So, We've got them. We talk about them. Take them to God. But take them to God with thanksgiving. Here's the, in my opinion, this is the key to prayer. The prayer isn't begging God to do something. It isn't tearing, wondering what he's going to do. Will you do this? Will you not? No, that's not our God. He says, we pray with our request to God and ask him with thanksgiving. We thank him up front because what's our God doing 24-7, 52 our God is doing absolutely everything he can that's good for us. This, the second verse says we can rejoice always. We can pray without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances. Why? Because whatever's happening in our life, God's aware of. Matter of fact, God's either ordained or allowed it. If we're in strife, pain, joy, whatever it is, God has allowed or ordained it. So when I pray, I don't have to be anxious and worried. I don't have to get God's attention saying, hey, God, look at what's going on in my life. I can take a step back and say, let's, let's use 2021 coming up ahead of us. If, I'm, if I want to pray and talk to God, I could say, Lord, thank you for the year that's ahead. Lord, I know that nothing is going to happen to me or my family and those that I love and where I, where I serve you then you have it allowed or brought about. I can thank you for that. You're in control. You're my Lord and Lord of this world. I can thank you that, that any good thing and every good thing that you will bring about in my life, if it's good for me, you'll bring it about. You are the God and Father who has given me every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. You, by sending your Son, have adopted me into your family. Lord, I know there's stuff. You know there's stuff. Thank you that I can have peace in my heart in the middle of the junk. You know, that's, that's a prayer of peace. That's a prayer of thanksgiving. 
to God. You know, a prayer begging God to do something doesn't bring peace to me. It brings more concern and worry. Oh, is he going to do it? Is he? No, God's doing what's best. And we have to trust him that he's doing what's best in, in each and every one of these circumstances and situations. Our prayer is to be thankful for, you know, for 2021. Right. You'd say right. But that's what he says. Be thankful. And again, he gives us trial, he gives us peace, excuse me, in the tribulation and in the persecution. You see, Jesus brought division. He brought persecution. He is the prince of peace, offering peace to those who will accept it. But inside of the world, he's, he doesn't. He, didn't, he's, he tells you, don't think that I came to bring peace on this earth. Remember the earth. I've come to bring a sword. I'm going to divide families. I'm going to divide uh, children against their parents and parents against their children, brothers against sisters and sisters against brothers. I'm bringing division. How does he bring division? Because he separates people by taking them out of the world and making them his children. And we are now different and transformed. I, um, I was the first Christian in my family. That's a strange statement to make, uh, at least in my immediate family. No one else was a Christian. I became a Christian. And uh, all of a sudden, I wasn't drinking. My smoking went away. My language cleaned up. And I'm a weird dude. Uh, uh, my friends in, in the Marine Corps, uh, I wasn't drinking, hanging out, doing all those other things. I got out of the Marine Corps in the middle of a golden career. I got a call from a guy named Dave Calden. He was a good friend of mine. His nickname was Marble because we always joked he was sharp as a marble. But he was a Marine, so we would expect that. Uh, but he calls me. Um, I forget where he was stationed. I think he was in Hawaii or someplace up Ridgecrest. And he says, Bill, I hear you're getting out. What is with that? And he's trying to talk me into staying in and everything else. And I said, well, and I said this, and it was kind of funny looking back, how foolish. I said, well, you know, the Lord, I became a Christian, the Lord really told me to get out. And so I said a couple other things. I think God's leading me to this, Lord's this, Lord that. And a little while, who's this Lord guy? <laughs> who's this Lord guy? This, you see why we call him sharp as a marble? <laughs> but that was him. It, it, we, we were now separated. We had two different uh, concepts. We had two different worlds that we moved in. And he was not in, on my same frequency anymore. You know, in Christmas, many of us are going to meet up with family members that don't know Christ. We're going to walk into an environment where we have to watch what we say. We, we, we have to be careful how we act. Because we don't want to come across condemning or, or like Pharisees or, or anything like that. But we can't compromise. So there's going to be tension in a room that at one time there was no tension. You know, divisions in our country are increasing. Christians are becoming more and more isolated. Around the world, there'll be 100,000 Christians killed this year for their faith. For no other reason than their faith. The signs of the time inside of our country after the first of the year, uh, I'm quite confident that they're going to increase. Uh, new definitions for hate speech. New so social agendas will be pushed forward that we may have to fund or be part of or, or stand up and say no to. This is, we're going to have peace in the world. It's coming at us, but it's only peace in Christ. 
peace for our souls. And I just mentioned this verse because it's on your outline. And I, I encourage you to memorize it because Jesus gave it to us as a promise. He says in a, in a time uh, when we labor and we're heavy laden, and I you, you think of a time heavy laden, he says, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. And listen to this. I will give you rest for your souls. How many times have we been up at night looking and waiting and hoping for rest in our souls? And Christ says, I'll give it to you. He says, I'll give it to you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. He's, he is the answer. And um, it, is a, it is a prayer that I quite honestly use. If I get up, I'll say, okay, Jesus says, and then I go and seek peace with him. You know, and again, as we go forward to the uncertainty, good thing. But Jesus describes, we're going to talk about the, the, the path of peace, and we're going to point out again, like we often do, and this is, again, it's primarily for Christians, the path of Jesus Christ is narrow and it is hard. It is not the easy way. It, it, it requires discipline. It requires a committed love to the God who died for us. If you follow Jesus, you know, at the, end of, at the end of three years of active ministry here on earth, Jesus had done miracles. He'd raised the dead. He'd calmed seas. He'd walked on water. He'd, he'd fed thousands with a big, couple of Big Macs or fish sandwiches, I guess. What do they call it? Fish muck mac or something like that? Uh, but he fed thousands. His people saw them. At the end, he had 12 disciples. At, at the time of Pentecost, uh, 50 days after his resurrection, he had 120 followers in an upper room waiting and praying for him, like he said to do. Very few people followed him, and, and quite honestly, very few people follow him now. Uh, why? Well, very simply, Jesus' teachings are authoritative. They're absolute, and they're divisive. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Try that at your Christmas party and see how that flies. You're going to get some, unless you've got that rare family, you're going to get some pushback. Uh, announce that in a teacher's lounge. Announce that somewhere in, in, in a secular world. But we're told to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. We live in the age of the selfie where everything's focused on ourselves. We worship and love ourselves. High self-esteem, high self-actualization, that's our goal. We're taught uh, to live our life in any way we want. Not the way Jesus wants. Uh, we have personal truth. He's not the truth. We make the truth, and we have to follow him. We define you know, our rights, our image, our gender. We define everything, and we define our own way to God. This is the, the curse of modern America today. We define our own path. We, we create our own Jesus. We make him tolerant, or I call him, you know, my, my little precious Jesus, my Gumby Jesus that I can bend and fold into any shape that I want him to be, depending on my needs. And Jesus says, you can't do that. He says, I am who I am. Take me as I am. You know, uh, we take Jesus on his terms, not ours. We take him as total uh, savior, our only hope. 
as this Messiah that fulfills all of these proofs and everything else for us, and we take him as Lord. It's a narrow road. And out of a love commitment to Jesus, we make a commitment to follow him. Not because we have to, but because we, we love him. And how could we not if, if we know who he is and what he's done? We give up control of each area. If we try and hang on to one thing, uh, we'll lose our life. And don't, don't, don't mistake, when they said every person, every disciple has to take up their cross, they knew exactly what that meant. And the next verse makes it even clearer. To be crucified with Christ. My old self has to die. So the new self, Jesus Christ, can live through me. This, everything changes. No one wants that. We, we live in an age of, I want control. Control are the issues that we have. Pride, selfishness, self-focus. And also another thing to keep people away, following Jesus Christ requires confession and repentance. Confession and repentance. We just finished the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said the poor in spirit, those who recognize their need, those, are, those who are uh, mourn over their sins, these are the people that are blessed. Here's an example of, of two people. Jesus tells the story of one person, and oh, by the way, as I go into this, I've, I've been both. I've been both. Uh, I used to think I was way cool. I'm Bill. Thank God that I'm not like other people. Uh, cheaters, swindlers, you know, tax gatherers, whatever, put in your Democratic or Republican Party. I'm not like those guys. Uh, I'm not like these guys that are always out scamming and running and doing this. I fast twice a week. I'm a righteous dude. I give a tenth to my income. The man stands in self-justification, self-rationalization, self-righteousness, and, he, and he's just praying to God. And, and yet over on the side, there's a tax collector. He says, oh, God, be merciful to me, for I'm a sinner. Just this basic, broken, humble heart before a God who knows who we are anyway. Just tell the truth. Acknowledge, because in acknowledging our love grows. And Jesus said, I tell you what, the sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home. Uh, we live in, a, in an age of self-exaltation. People don't come to Christ because they have to admit they failed without him. That's a bitter pill. It's a bitter pill for me. It's a bitter pill for everybody else uh, as, we, as that happens. You know, human pride, all of these things, Christ exposes our sin and our need for him. Now, that's, that's why people don't follow the narrow path. Now, the wide path today, 2020, end of 2020, uh, there's people all around that you can accumulate, little teachers that'll tickle your ears and tell you you're just fine, thank you. You, if you think good, if you're really trying, you know, if you believe, I don't care what you believe, they'll tell you, if you believe sincerely, oh, God's pleased. If, 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 if you try, well, God's pleased. Don't get all fanatical about having to read your Bible. Don't get all fanatical about serving. or Don't worry about that. Just, they'll, they'll tell you what you want to hear. And for... A long time, the good news of Jesus Christ has been veiled and hidden from the people of our country. We've banned him from our schools. We've banned him from our government. Sixty graduating classes have grown without knowledge of the Bible. 
without uh, knowledge of the Ten Commandments, without, you know, freely opening and acknowledging Christ, it's pushed out. So secularism, uh, humanism can reign. Uh, it just chokes people, and so they don't see the light of the good news of Christ. We, we've trained this world. We, we teach them human rights over loving our neighbor, selfishness over service, uh, and what little belief is sometimes left is stamped out in college by the time they get there. Be clear. Uh, this is, I'm not talking about those people who reject God outright, atheists, and agnostics, and that. I'm talking about Christians who, who really think they're followers of Christ but aren't. It lukewarm, Jesus says, you have to be on fire for me. Because love is on fire. I mean, love makes people do stupid things. Stay up all night, talk all night, drive all night, give all money, embarrass themselves in front of anybody out of love. And, and he says, well, well, geez, you know, you can't let your love get cold. He says, not even lukewarm. He says, if you're lukewarm, if you're a lukewarm Christian, well, I'm a Christian, but it's, you know, it doesn't do anything, you know. Well, he'll spit you out of his mouth. He has to. Because you don't serve him and you don't serve the world. You're miserable to both. You're a bad example to heathen. And you're a bad example to Christ. So do something about that. Uh, don't honor him. Again, this is Christmas. Don't honor with our lips and our hearts are far from me. The nation of Israel at that time specifically celebrated every feast they diligently went to Jerusalem. Their parties were there. They sent up their tents. They celebrated and went bonkers. Bonkers is a Greek word for crazy. They, they did that. But their hearts were far from him. In Christmas in the United States today, we celebrate a holiday. We don't celebrate the birth of the living Christ who came to this earth and who's been birthed inside of our heart every day, 24 you know, hours a day, Christ lives in me and in us. You know, not lukewarm, please. And I, I put these statistics up not as a, anything other than a simple warning. Uh, I started tracking these statistics back in actually a little bit before 95 when 15% of the people understood biblical Christianity in our country. These are surveys that are done every year. Uh, same questions, same, you know, generally well certified. Went from 15 to 12 to 8 to 6 to 4 to 2 uh, currently. And I just stopped putting them up. You know, I extended it to 2020 to zero. But under right now, under 30 in our country, 30 years old, 1% understand biblical Christianity. We're, we're not in a good place. So this is an encouragement to, to those who name Christ to be Christians as we go forward. You know, as a country, as a nation, we've fallen from God. We'll talk more about this uh, next Sunday when we talk about prophecies in the state for the, uh, state, the things that are happening. But we, we need to remember who Christ is, what Christmas is. It's, it's a holiday. Well, okay, called, really it means holy day. But it's not just a day. It's when the living God loved us so much, he sent his son to die for us, to be our savior, 
to be our Messiah, and absolutely to be our Lord. This is the, the good news of Christmas. He comes to bring us peace with God. This is, this is who we have. This, this, this promise that he's the Lord Christ, whom Jesus you crucified. The Lord Jesus, the Savior. This is the promise that we have, and he's the one that brings peace. So just as an invitation, let this Christmas be that time when we open the gift Christ gave us. Renew, if it is necessary, or remind ourselves that we have peace in him. He is the Prince of Peace. Would you join me in prayer, please? Father, we thank you for Christmas every day. That Christ died for our sins, that we might each moment, each day, walk with peace in our hearts, our souls, and our minds as we trust God to be God. We thank you and we pray in Christ's name. Amen.